We are in the book of uh, Jonah today, and we read chapter 4 together. And I just want to remind you real quickly about Jonah and missions. This is kind of part 2. We started last week. And, of course, Jonah, one of the older prophets, he was a prophet in the nation of Israel. Israel was a very um, wicked country. The, 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 the nation was divided into Judah, which was uh, Judah and Benjamin and to the south. And then we've got... Uh, We've got uh, the ten tribes to the north, and Israel had poor kings, and uh, they went down a lot faster than the nation of Judah did. He was in under Jeroboam the second when he prophesied, and God came to his man and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and cry against that city because their wickedness is coming before me and tell them yet 40 days and God's going to bring judgment. And, of course, we know the story of, we, he said, arise and go. And that gives us our mission's mandate or our mission's command. The command is that every Christian ought to be a missionary Christian. Everybody ought to be going and telling folks about the Lord Jesus Christ. You ought to keep gospel tracts. You ought to do something every day so the people around you and your, I gave out tracts yesterday, looked in my pocket this morning. I didn't have, I had only two, two Spanish tracts and one English tract and a bilingual tract with me. I thought, man, I got to get some other tracts. I got the joy to give out numbers of tracts yesterday. And you do that, I'm sure, and I appreciate that. I remember, never forget, so many times I've seen people who get saved through a gospel tract. I heard a testimony just this week of one of our young men, Brother Tim, who came to know Christ because his gospel tract was on the, the, uh, the nightstand at his mom's nightstand, and he read it and came to know Christ as Savior. I'll never forget trying to give a guy a tract one time. And I pointed out there and said, hey, I want to give you this gospel tract. He goes, hang on, I have one like that. And he opened his wallet, and he had it folded up in his wallet with his money, and he said, Hey, yeah, I, I had that. Can you? I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? I said, yes. And he came to know Christ as Savior. One time I went to give a guy a gospel track, and thank God someone else had already done that. And he said, you know what? I had this very same track, and where I lay there is a little shelf above me, and I taped it to the shelf, and I read it every night. But I don't understand it. And that day I got to stand on the corner and give Tom Cavanaugh the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Bible, the very track he, someone else gave him. Remember one time I was walking along and I was giving tracks out and a man said he was sitting there smoking a cigarette on a flower planter. And, he, and I went to give him a track and I saw he had the very same track. I said, hey, where'd you get that? He goes, ah, oh, this morning I was getting a, a Dr. Pepper and, a, and some Cheetos from the, um, from the store, and a, and a young lady just said, if you believe in Jesus, you'll want to read this. And I thought, well, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not interested in that. So he just put it back in his pocket. So I was in the, I was in the computer uh, room and doing that, and I thought, you know, I'm going to come out and smoke. And, and it just kind of reminded me about that track, and so I've just been sitting here reading it. I've read it four times. But do you think if I went to that church tomorrow, they would explain it to me? I said, yes, they would, but I can explain it to you right now. Sure enough, I go, told him, sat there beside the flower planter, gave him the gospel of Christ. At the end, he accepted Jesus Christ right there on that flower, got baptized the next Saturday night. I remember seeing him at the end of the time we read it. I said, and you've accepted Jesus. Aren't you glad? He turned the thing and goes, hey, that picture's you. That's you, and you're the pastor. I said, yeah, that's me, you know. He goes, well, how about that, you know? Someone gave me a track at the, at the store this morning, then the pastor. God brings the pastor right to me to, do, to share the gospel. But you know, I could tell you stories all day long. I remember a man one day coming to me on a Sunday night, and I went to see him, and his name was Andy, and he came up quickly down here, and he says, I need to talk to you. And I said, okay. And I talked to him. He said, you remember me? I said, yeah, I remember you, your mom. 
uh, is a Cambodian lady. And yeah, I saw, I remember you at a funeral. She goes, yeah. He goes, that was like two and a half years ago. He said, this afternoon, I was going through my junk drawer. My mother, we have twin girls. He said, honey, please get yourself to this church. And she gave me a track of your church. He said, get yourself to that church. Because I didn't care about that. At that time, I was going on. I was making good money. Everything was good in my life. And so I don't know what I did with it, but I found it this afternoon. I, was, I lost my job recently. We're going through some marital problems. And I was just looking at my junk drawer, and I found this track, and I saw that it starts tonight at 5 o'clock. I thought, you know what? I'm only an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm gonna, that's from now. I'm going to drive over there. And I came. He said, but can you show me how to be saved, how, how, to, how to know for sure I'm going to heaven? I said, I said, yeah, I can do it right now. He goes, ho, ho, ho. Would you come to my house and show my wife too? And that next Tuesday, I went to their home and led both him and his wife to the Lord. And about six weeks later, his twin 13-year-old daughters accepted Jesus, all because someone gave him a track. And everybody ought to be excited about going somewhere and giving the gospel of Christ. Around the corner, around the world, and keep giving the gospel of Christ. And then keep giving and praying that others would go. Pray that God would call people from our church to worldwide evangelization. Because missions has a command, and that is to go. And God came to Jonah and said, Jonah, I want you to rise and go to Nineveh. And Jonah arose and went down to Tarshish. And he went the different direction. He went, to, he went, God told him to go east, he went west. And he went away from the presence of the Lord. And when you get away from the presence of the Lord, he went and he purchased the fare, he bought the fare. And he went down into the ship and he fell asleep and tried to sleep off the conviction. Try to numb it. Some people do that through alcohol. Some do it through drugs. Some do it through pornography and gambling and, and uh, social media and, and video games. But he chose to do it through sleep. He went down there and just wanted to sleep in the middle of a storm. And God's judgment was brought on those pagan sailors. And they knew it was judgment. They didn't know what it was coming from, what had happened. And they finally found him sleeping. And the shipmaster said, get up. And pray with us, we're going to die. And he went to, of course, to get him. And first of all, they, they thought, we can avoid judgment if we just throw our, our wares off the ship and lighten the ship. And then they found that it was Jonah was the problem. He said, I'm your man. He said, I'm the reason for it. And of course, we see that not only does missions have a command, and that is to go, but missions in Jonah is the communicated, and that is... Uh, that salvation, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. This planet's not getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse. Men are getting worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, the Bible tells us. Hey, the, the climate, the climate is changing. This is not, the, the, the planet is a part of the thermodynamics. It's that third law, and it's, it's just winding down. Entropy is taking place. Things are not getting better and better. It's getting worse and worse. The Bible tells us there'll be more disease. There'll be more earthquakes. There'll be more disasters and challenges and tornadoes and wars and rumors of wars. That's coming, friend. That is coming as we get down. This thing is winding down into one day the whole world's going to stand before Jesus one day. It's just the truth. And judgment was coming to these people, and, and uh, instead of, they couldn't avoid judgment by getting, loosing their ship. They couldn't avoid judgment by rowing harder, though they tried all of that. And by the way, if you're, if you're not saved this morning, 
If you're not sure if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. Let me tell you, you don't go to heaven by getting rid of some bad habits. You don't go to heaven by rowing a little harder and trying harder to be a good person. That will not get you to heaven. That will get you to hell. You don't go to heaven by, by uh, going to church. This church can't give you eternal life. The baptistry waters cannot wash away your sin. You can't do it. I can't do it for you. Only Jesus. And here we see Jonah is a type of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, he said, Just like Jonah was in the belly of the whale, so the Son of Man shall be in the earth. Uh, three days and three nights, and he'll be resurrected. There's two things that Jonah shows us in regards to the gospel. Not only is judgment coming, that's number one. Number two is that it took the substitutionary death of one. In order to get the judgment taken off of these men, somebody had to give of himself, and that was Jonah, a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then the supernatural resurrection. What is the gospel? It is the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So it's a picture of that. So we see, and that's what the world needs. Uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, the Bible says that uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You know how people get saved? Believing in the gospel. And that Jesus would die a substitutionary death. And he would raise a supernatural resurrection. And uh, he would be able to forgive our sins. And we would put our faith in him. And the Bible is very clear in this passage of Scripture that uh, they threw Jonah overboard. And then Jonah ends up and, and instead he goes into the whale house. By the way, if you don't listen to God's word, he probably has a whale. <laughs> you can receive his word or you can experience a whale. And he experienced the well, and of course, in chapter 2, he, he's miserable. Seaweed is wrapped around his head. His, his skin probably looks like a pickle. He's miserable. He's green. He's pale. He's bleached. And finally, from the belly of the well, he cries out to God and asks for have mercy upon him. And God uh, speaks to the, the great fish. He, he uh, vomits him out. And he makes his way east again, going toward Nineveh. When he goes there, and I love, would you look, if you would please, at chapter 3, verse number, verse number 1. Read it out loud with me. Ready? Chapter 3, verse number 1. And the word of the Lord came into Jonah. This is the doctrine of the second chance. Let me just say to you real quickly, some of you, you might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. And you remember God's call upon your life to do something for him. You remember the service. You remember the emotions, and you've explained it just the way. Well, that was just kind of an emotional decision. Maybe it was, and maybe it wasn't. But I want to encourage you, friend. There's a doctrine of a second chance. You can't rewrite your beginning, but you can rewrite your ending. Jonah went through a difficult time, and God had called him, and he had surrendered to, he had not surrendered initially, and then he now, the word of the Lord comes to him again and says, you know what, I can do, we can still make this happen. And I think in this world today, regardless of a lot of challenges, there are things that God wants you to do. And there's a, there's a law of us, like we see that in, in, in Peter's life. What did Peter do? He denied the Lord in front of a little teenage girl that says, yeah, I think you, I've seen you with him. No, I haven't, blankety blank. 
And then he looks into the eyes of the Lord. Three times he denies the Lord. But 45 days later, he was preaching and 3,000 people came to know Christ. Aren't you glad for a God of a second chance? John Mark, a young man who was traveling with his uncle Barnabas and Paul. And we find in, 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 that, in that chapter, whenever Paul and Barnabas, uh, there's a switch. For all the way through, God tells us Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas. Then God says, Paul and Barnabas. The next verse, John Mark says, I'm not, I'm not working for Paul. Plus, I'm tired of not being able to get at least even a Motel 6 out of this thing. This is getting rough. I mean, rocks flying over our heads and people threatening to hurt us. And all. That wasn't, I wasn't. And, and he leaves them in Pamphylia and goes back home. A failure. May I just tell you, failure is an event, it's not a person. All of us are a bunch of examples of failures. You want to know, never fail, never try to do anything. He failed, but yet God used him. And even Paul on his, uh, his deathbed, deathbed letter said, bring John Mark, he is profitable unto me. Here's the guy who had the law of the second chance. I don't know where you're going and what's your situation, but don't feel like, well, I've messed up. God can't use me again. That's not true. God has a purpose. I don't care what's gone on in the past. If we, God is a God of pardon. He's a God of forgiveness. He loves you. He'll help you. He'll strengthen you. He'll forgive you. He'll, he'll let you. Maybe there may be some things you can't do that you thought one day you could. And I think there may be some things, but nothing that you can't do that God would not use you again. If you'll be humble, if you'll be honest, and you'll be holy, God will put his hand upon you. And he can use you in a great way. And it's better when God uses rather than we use ourselves. I'm so glad that the Lord came to Jonah again the second time. He said, you want to try this again? He goes, I do. I want to try it again. And he went, maybe under a little bit of arm behind his back, but he went. But we find his, his very immature. But we see that, the, the, that the, mission, the mission's gospel is not only is, is, it, is it a command, not only is it to be communicated to the gospel, but it brings about a change. He really just preached. He said, you guys, we need to repent. Forty days, phew, God's going to deal with you. He preached judgment, and they responded. They responded three ways. Number one, the Bible tells us in, in chapter 3, and you can see it there. I think it may be good for us to see it. Look at verse number 5. So the people of Nineveh, what the first thing they do? They believe God. They believe God. By the way, how do you get saved? Believe God. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, now shall be saved. Not only believe God, but you'll see in verse number 8 what happened. But the king was speaking, let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth. He humbled himself. And then what else do they do? They cry mightily unto the God. They begin to ask him for help. They cried out to God. And they turned everyone from his evil way. You can see a repentance took place inside of their hearts. You see them cry out to the Lord. They humble themselves. They believe God. And God spared them. And God said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to forgive you. See, pastor, does God change? God is like a, he's like a weatherman. He, just, he, responds to the, he responds to people. A weatherman, uh, wherever the wind's blowing, does that. He doesn't, he's, he's who he is. But he loves mankind. The whole, the whole gospel message of, of Jonah, if you have one theme, is that God loves everybody. 
God loves you. He loves the people you don't know. He loves the people that don't speak your language around the world. He loves everybody. The problem with Jonah, he didn't love everybody. He only loved himself primarily, and he loved his people. The people of Nineveh, they were cruel, they were mean, they were barbaric. When oftentimes when they would be coming to a city, the whole city would commit suicide rather than to fall into their hands. They were so cruel. And they would one day take over the, the Israelite people. And Jonah as a prophet probably knew that. He got fired up. He couldn't get over his prejudice. He couldn't get over the fact that God loved them too. And yet he wants the whole world to come and know the Lord. And there was a repentance. The people prayed. They cried out to the Lord. They believed God. They turned from their wicked ways. And sure enough, God responded in mercy. Aren't you glad that God had mercy for you? Do you want that same mercy for people you don't even know? Do you want that same mercy for the folks in Cambodia or Madagascar? In Egypt or Sudan? People that are trying to dig wells to get water? People in the Amazon talk to Brother... Brother Faust this week, I've talked to some other folks this week, and they're trying to work through things to get the gospel of Jesus out. Does it matter to you? I think about the verse, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Does it bother you that people are dying and going to hell? Are you just happy that you can go to church on a Sunday morning? Oh, I appreciate the privilege, man. I'm glad I got a Bible. I got 17 of them. What about the people in Laos who don't even have one? And we find that God moves and he, he forgives the people. And then you see the selfish Christian, the selfish prophet, Jonah. And here I think I, I share with you the command of missions. The communication of missions is the gospel of Jesus. That only through his death, burial, and resurrection. The change is God's mercy and grace. But the challenge, the challenge is that we care more about our own comfort than the compassion we should have for a soul. And God showed this man, Jonah, through a gourd. Now the people repent, and now he says, that's it. I knew that was going to happen. I know God. He always wants to forgive people. I couldn't wait for 40 days to go by. He preaches, and probably a three-day preaching messages. People repent, sackcloth and ashes, turn from their wicked ways, cry out unto God, believe the Lord that he told him, and now he's frustrated. And he goes up on a hillside outside the city, sets up a little booth to kind of shade him from uh, some of the, the heat in the Middle East there. And he sits down and wants to wait and see what God's going to really do, if he's going to really forgive them. And he calls out to the Lord. He starts praying. He said, Lord, I knew this. I knew this was going to happen. You were going to do this back in my country. That's why I went away from you. You're going to forgive these people. These people that are not like me. They don't eat my food. They don't enjoy my culture. And they're going to one day be instrumental in bringing your people into slavery as the Assyrians will. And they're cruel and mean. And yet you, you're always forgiving. I'm going to read a couple verses and we'll continue this tonight. And I'll finish it off, but I want, to, I want to share another thought this evening as well. But look at chapter 4, verse 1. But it has pleased Jonah exceedingly. Most of us would be glad when God uses us. But he was very what? May I just say to you, that's someplace you don't want to be. Would your wife say, my husband's angry? 
My wife's angry. My kids are angry. My dad and my mom, they're angry. My Sunday school teacher, it comes out in his teaching, he's angry. My bus captain's angry. They always got something they're always stirring up. They can't even hardly smile. I'm telling you something. The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. May I say to you, just like when I read this, I get so aggravated with Jonah. What an idiot. And we're going to see his selfishness, but I see it in me. When I look at it, I see it. That's me, God. I got this problem. And especially in anger. You know, someone who's angry, they do not listen good. People who are angry really struggle to listen. If you ever get in an argument with an angry person, they're not listening to you. They're just waiting for you to be quiet so they can tell you what they want to tell you. That's why the Bible says, every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Because the wrath of man worketh the righteousness of God. Now he's angry. He's fired up. Let's read the verse, and we'll continue it this evening. Verse number, verse number 2, and he prayed unto the Lord and said, by the way, there's like 10 or 12 references to himself here. It sounds like... It's like Satan talking and, and how he was going to do. He said, Lord, he said, I pray thee, O Lord, was not this my saying when I was in my, yet my country? Therefore I fled from before Tarshish unto Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Now therefore, I, O Lord, take I beseech thee, my life from me, and it's better for me to die than to live. And then the Lord says, Dost thou well to be angry? Do you have a good reason to be angry? Really? And Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth. And he sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. And then the Bible's going to tell what God does. Dear friend, let me just encourage you, don't make life about you, me, and my. Well, often it's I, me, my. I was listening to someone talk recently, and it's just like, well, the way I feel, and I feel like this, and I just feel like this, and I don't think anybody really cares about me, and I don't, and I don't like this, and I don't like that. It's all about them. It's almost like gag a maggot when they're finished talking. Like, oh, come on, you're just throwing up of all you. Everything is all about you. And boy, it's that selfie generation looking at herself. And you know, Jonah was all about him. When I was in my country, and my, I knew he was going to do this, and me, and me, and all this stuff. And now he's got a, he's just sitting in a little booth, looking over the city, hoping God would change his mind again and destroy them. And God says, you know, listen, let's talk about the challenge, the motive issue. Your problem is, it's about you. And then he's going to give him an illustration about a gourd. He cared more about his little gourd that gave him a temporary shelter from the sun than he cared about the gospel. So, Pastor, that is so dumb about that gourd. What do you care about? What do I care about? Some of us, we care. We give more money to veterinarians. I'm not against an animal. Dog food than we do to world evangelism. If our animal dies, we go into five, five days of mourning. Someone, someone dies without Jesus, and we sorry to hear about that, though, I tell you, it's bless her heart. We hear a missionary thing, we yawn right through it. But get something the bears, the bears lose again, or the cubs lose, or 
the, the bulls lose or somebody else, you know, you go through a night and you get fouled out or you get a, you get a bad call at the officials. Now we spend like 20 minutes talking about the officials. And we, we get all caught up with our little gourd instead of the gospel of Jesus. It's a reality. I got it. You got it. And we're talking about missions and we're thinking about what we're going to eat today. Talking about missions, you're thinking about what I'm going to watch on TV this afternoon. Talking about world evangelism, and we just, I hope, yeah, I'm glad our church does something. 1.85 million, wow, that's great. But it's not going to be personal, because we're all caught up in our personal comfort more than the compassion we ought to have for the gospel. Pray God will work in our hearts. I'm convicted. How about you?